This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Just fresh back from Savannah. And I called a friend of mine up and said, hey, recommend a restaurant, and he picked the right place. Amen. But I was down there. I was a little bit tricked. Uh, uh, I thought I was going so Christina could run a race, and I had to do about 10 miles myself. And uh, I said, I think you've tricked me into exercise. Amen. But uh, um, so I'm down there, and she's going to run a race. But what I, no one really knew was the last several weeks, she was like, why did I sign up for this? I, I don't even want to run any more half marathons. I, I don't enjoy them like I used to. I mean, she was just really down. And, and I've been trying to give her the proper motivation. You know, you can do this. And you, you know, everything from you paid too much for this to, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, your friends counting on you to, you, you know, you really love it. And nothing was really working. But then she had a visit to the grocery store this week. And apparently it was the motivation that she needed Because somebody was operating under a wrong understanding. She had just had a run. She has her pulls her little hat down on her head and she's out there just running away. And as she's running away, you know, she gets a little flushed and and, and she's tired and she has to grab something on the way home. So she runs into the grocery store down here. And and this was the motivation she needed. You see, somebody was operating out of the wrong understanding and it was the motivation she needed because the little cashier girl was trying to be so sweet and she's just ringing her up. Is that anything else, ma'am? And and she said, no, that's good. That's good. That's all I need. And she said, ma'am, don't you worry. I'm going to make sure you get your senior citizen discount. Amen. <laughs> Woo! My wife finished the strongest half marathon of her life. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Why? Because her motivation had changed. Amen. Had changed. She saw someone operating under the wrong uh, opinion. Amen. Well, I want you to understand that many of us uh, see God in the wrong way. And I believe God's doing everything he can to show some of us who he really is, but we're so determined that's not who he is that we're missing it. You see, we've talked a lot about prayer, and I just want to tell you, for those of you that maybe uh, have had a rough week of prayer after our 100 days of prayer concluded last Sunday, uh, I I want to celebrate with you because um, I was thankful, but then I had the hardest week of prayer of my life this week, honestly. At one point, I went back to my prayer closet. I was like, I'm getting up driving to church because I started praying in my chair, and I just couldn't find God in my chair, so I turned to my autumn, and I couldn't find God in my autumn, so I fell flat on my face. I couldn't find God there. Finally, I just sat down and finally found him right there. Man. But uh, I was like searching for God everywhere. I just couldn't feel it. But I said, I'm not going to, what I preached to you last week, I'm not walking by feeling, I'm walking by faith. But you see, to move forward in prayer, it's going to do something in your life. It's going to unlock potential. I want you to get this. When you try to do something for God, it's going to unlock potential in your life. And God wants to unlock potential in who you are. He wants you to become what He created you to be. God wants you to move forward. And as those potentials are unlocked, you've got to understand everything you do is going to affect what you're able to do. Every moment that we experience is the result of millions of decisions that have combined to make that moment possible. The choices we made by being here today are going to affect who we are. The seemingly insignificant choice that's going to come up here in some of your lives in just a few moments is is going to change history. It's literally going to change history because some of you are going to ask this simple question afterwards, where do you want to have lunch. 
And you know the answer for where do you want to have lunch is always the same. Well, I don't care. What do you want? (laughs) It seems insignificant, but where you decide is going to affect history because the reason it's going to affect history is this. It's going to put you in a place to where maybe you interact with someone about something or, or it's going to give you a table that maybe someone else has to now wait for. And because they had to wait for that table, they didn't leave at the time they would have left and they missed the accident that would have taken their life. You see, because every decision is going to have some kind of an effect. So if every decision has some kind of a major effect in our life, then how can we even begin to make decisions? How can we even begin to go forward because we understand that our decisions not only affect our life, but they create history. Everything that has ever happened is the result of decisions made, decisions to act or not to act. Bearing such responsibility, how can we make those decisions, knowing that decisions are going to change everything and can change anything? We can't live in the place of indecision because when we decide to live in the place of indecision, we've made a decision. One of the saddest verses in the scriptures that, that many people even just kind of buzz right by, but it's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Uh, it, it's about someone who, does, who failed to make decision. They failed to engage. They failed to move forward. And it's out of Jeremiah chapter 46, verse number 17. Jeremiah chapter 46, verse number 17 says this. There they will say, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is a loudmouth who missed his opportunity. What a verse. They're going to say, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, talked about it, but he never did anything about it. He never moved forward. This Pharaoh was named Hophna, and Hophna was the, uh, it was the fourth king in the 26th dynasty of Egypt. His position gave him the potential and the power to affect the world. History was his for the taking, his for the making, but he missed his moment. Now, we're not sure exactly what he didn't do or what he did, but we know that in 19 years, he missed a lot of great opportunities. The 19 years that he ruled most of the known world at that time, he missed his opportunities. You see, at the end of our lives, our greatest regrets won't be the things that we did and wish we hadn't, but rather our greatest regrets will be the things that we didn't get around to doing. Now, as we worship today, we dealt more with what we've done. Now, I know that many of you probably had a perfect week, and and if you kept your religious scorecard, it was all great this week. You did everything you were supposed to do, and you were everywhere you were supposed to be, right? Okay, then I'm talking to somebody today, amen. But here's the thing. Most of us keep those kind of religious scorecards, and, and, and when we come into the service and we begin to worship, I felt the presence of the Spirit of God while we were worshiping. Then we feel God this morning, amen. I felt God this morning while we were worshiping, and, and as we were feeling God, I was just, just there, and all of a sudden, the same enemy that talks to you shows up in my life. But you know your mistakes. You know your struggles. You know your problems. You know what you did. You know what you should have done. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about this morning? And sin starts knocking at your door to remind you the thing that told you who cares nobody will care shows up itself and says everybody cares and it starts knocking at my door and what's happening at that moment I want you to get this what you're actually practicing is holiness by subtraction I mean that's actually something holiness by subtraction for you said okay I didn't do that this week then I'm pretty holy this week I didn't do this this week and I didn't do and I didn't go there 
And I was, I even had the opportunity to do it, but I didn't do it. And what we're doing is we're stacking up all the did nots, uh, could have, should have, and all those things that we didn't do. And we're thinking, wow, I've accomplished holiness because I'm not, I don't resemble who I used to resemble. You, let me just make something real clear to you. Jesus Christ did not come so that he could just give you some kind of plastic surgery that changes who you resemble. Jesus Christ came so that he could make you new because being able to just be a different copy of an old man is not good enough for Jesus. Jesus showed up and said, I'll take what you can't do and I'll move you to become somebody better. That's who he wants you to be. Jesus wants to equip you to move forward because holiness by subtraction is going to get you into trouble because the problem is no matter uh, however it is that you can do nothing wrong, sometimes you'll do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. See, righteousness is more than doing nothing wrong. Righteousness is doing something right. Righteousness is when we make the decision that we're not just resisting temptation, but I'm going to become who God's called me to be. I'm going to begin to be what God's chosen me to be. And sometimes we're going to have to get the right motivation to finish that race, to go on up that mountain, to resist those things, to become who God's called us to be. We've got to begin to get the right motivation. You see, righteousness causes us to step up to bat with a determination to win. I'm not just going out there swinging. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hit a home run for Jesus. Why? Because yesterday the devil may have won, but today I've got God on my side and I'm going over by the blood of the lamb. Amen. God's good. You see, righteousness causes us to actually believe God's promises. Righteousness causes us to move forward in Christ. God gave you your potential, and making the best of that potential is your gift back to God. God called you to become something. But most of us, we don't want to make history. We want to spend our place in a place that many historians spend themselves, and that's called counterfactual theory. Counterfactual theory. And I want you to get this. Counterfactual theory is the study of what ifs. If this had happened, then that wouldn't have happened. And if I had done this, and, and the reason why they're here now is because of what you did, but why, what would have happened if, 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 if I had actually listened to my parents? Can I get an amen? <laughs> well, all the, all the what ifs. And it's that thought that we get stuck in the what ifs, and, and it's the study that actually they study. What would have happened if Pearl Harbor had never been bombed? What would have happened if, if the United States had never used an atomic bomb? What would have happened? All the what ifs studies that they do. And many of us have spent more time there than we want to ever imagine. But one of my favorite of those stories, just so you'll understand, I always, and I've shared this story so many times, I'm not going to share it long today, but I always love the story of Joshua Chamberlain and how Joshua Chamberlain beat Hitler over 100 years before Hitler launched his first attack. And many of you may not know the story of Joshua Chamberlain, but Joshua Chamberlain was a young lieutenant who went on to become governor of his state, and he came from uh, uh, there in Maine. And then Joshua Chamberlain was given a place that nobody else wanted at a battle called Gettysburg. They gave him the far back, and they said to him, now you understand, you are the extent of our line. You are the far extent there on Little Round Top. And when I went to Little Round Top about a year ago, I was so upset, just a little over a year ago, I was so upset because when I got there, there were monuments to dogs bigger than the one to Joshua Chamberlain. Joshua Chamberlain, most historians, most counterfactual uh, uh, historians uh, theorize that he won the battle that defeated uh, uh, Hitler. 
Most historians all agree that what happened during the Civil War on Little Round Top in the very backside where nobody even knew where he was at a wall that's about that high. He was given a wall that high to protect. It's just a bunch of little rocks that what happened there changed the world. And let me tell you why. Because when he stood up and and he looked down and he saw the reinforced troops coming up up after him, reinforced Alabama troops coming up after him, and he looked at his, his brothers, his sergeants around him, they both said to him, we're out of ammunition, you must surrender. But all he can hear is the words of his commanding officer saying, at all costs, you must hold the line. At all costs, you must hold the line. Why? Because if you lose this spot, they will come from behind, the battle will fall, we will lose the war. This is the pivotal point. And Joshua Chamberlain, he stands there frozen for just a moment, and his brothers see what they think is resignation in his eyes. But instead of resignation, all of a sudden the fire of determination hits him, and he jumps up on that little wall, draws a sword with an empty pistol, starts down the hill. His men are so amazed, they go over the hill with him, and they literally walk up with guns with no bullets and totally surround a fully reinforced, fully ammunition uh, a squadron down there. They go around them and they conquer this entire group of men. Why? Because they made a decision based on their leader's decision that he said, I won't live in what if. He said, I will live in the decision that this is the determination that must be done. I will win at all costs. Amen. So when Joshua Chamberlain won, that actually, all almost all historians agree, turned the tide of the battle, and then the North won, the United States stayed united, and if the United States had been broken up like Europe, Hitler would have taken over Europe, and then he would have taken over the small city-states of the United States, and we would be in a totally different world. Why? Because one man made a decision, if God's for me, then I'm going over the mountain, I'm going across, and I'm not backing down anymore, Amen. I'm looking for somebody this morning, this is not even in my notes, but it's what I feel in my spirit, who are tired of the devil backing you down and pinning you down, and you'll stake your claim, and you'll lift your voice with me and declare that God is for me, and I am going over, and we will win by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. God wants you working in your right mind. You see, when you're young, you use more of your right brain. And your right brain is where you learn to say, this could be, this could be. But as we age, we move to the left side of our brain that deals more in the memory. We talk about what was. We start missing what was. And God says, I'm not looking for you to talk about what was. I'm looking for you to believe. Remember what I did, but remember I can still do it today. Man. The decisions that you make today are going to be what determine the victories of tomorrow. And you've got to make the right decisions with the right faith in place. We know that we've got to move forward. I want to bring you back around to the verse that we originally started with today that empowers every step of our faith. If God is for us. Come on, say that with me. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is really for us. When we learn this, this is a game changer. It's a life changer. Can I get an amen? It's a life changer this morning. Before this powerful revelation can change our life, we first got to settle an issue. If you have doubts about God's intentions for your good, it will emerge in fear that will strangle your faith. 
If you're walking around believing that God's not got your best interest in place, that, that God's really somehow loves everybody else, but there's no way that God loves you because if everybody else really knew what you did, there's no way they would love you, so there's no way God would love you. But here's the thing. God does know everything you've done. He knows every hair on the top of your head. He knows every thought. As a matter of fact, the Bible says one day we'll give account for every single word that we've ever spoken, and none of us measure up. But because of Jesus Christ who loved us while we were still in our sins, there's hope for us. I'm just feeling this today. I'm sorry. I need to calm down. But you see, if we begin to believe that God is for us, we can change history. As a matter of fact, history becomes ours for the making. What would happen if a righteous, right, conservative and I'm not just talking about the little petty issues, but I'm talking about the things of life and the things of the sanctity of what God's Word says. What would happen if a group of people in America today had enough backbone to stand up and say, it might inconvenience me a little bit, but I will make a claim. This nation was founded on the things of God. We will not back down. We will not run away. And we will see revival sweep through this land again. Why? They say, oh, you don't understand. You'd have to fight the media. You'd have to fight the government. You'd have to fight this. But what you don't understand, if God is for us in our battle, then who can even stand against us? We can move forward for the glory of God. You see, if we reject the belief that God is working for our good, then the problem is usually we're not really rejecting God. We're really rejecting religion. You see, religion causes problems. And because of religion, you're not rejecting God for who he is. I want you to get this. You're more so rejecting him for who he isn't. You see, religion makes you feel like God doesn't love you, like you'll never measure up. Maybe you reject God because you don't feel like you can measure up because somebody hurting in a church hurts you. Maybe what you're doing is rejecting hypocrisy and indifference. If you reject those things, if you reject hypocrisy, if you reject indifference, if you reject pain that some people bring in the name of religion, I want to put you in the best company of all. Jesus Christ himself rejected those things. Jesus Christ was against those things because Jesus wasn't for beating down the sinner. He was for building them up and helping them to get well. You know, one of the most hindering lies that you can believe is that God's against you. That's the lie that the devil told Eve in the garden. God doesn't want you to know these things because if you know these things, then someday you might actually be like he is. And, and God wants you to stay uh, naive and God doesn't want, God doesn't, and God doesn't, and God doesn't. And that's exactly what the devil's been telling you. God's not really going to work all things out for your good. God doesn't have anybody that really loves you. You've got to compromise and settle for second best. God doesn't, God doesn't, God, because, because God's not really for you. And that's a lie of the devil that really is at the root of most sins in your life. Am I preaching truth today? I'm giving you simple truth because doubting God's goodness brought the sin and it brings sin today. If the enemy can get us to buy into the lie, we will position ourselves against God because we will think that he is against us. And we reject God for something he is not. And I want to just solve this for you today. God is for you. God is for you in every imaginable way. God is for you for all eternity. If you get to know God, you're going to realize something. God is for you. So it is essential that you begin to know God. And it's just a thought today, but could it be possible if you don't love God, it's because you don't really know God? Since God is for us, it doesn't matter 
what comes against us. Isaiah 54, 17 declares this, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Why? Because God is for you. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4 declares this, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Why? Because God is for you. I want you to get that. We've been trying to tell God who he is, and God's, well, 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 you've got a misunderstanding. And God himself is saying, let me run this race and show you who I really am. Let me show up strong and bring you across the finish line. <laughs> Philippians 4, 13, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Why? Because God is for you. Religion would make you think it's all about what you can do for God. But God made it all about what Christ has done for you. He is for you. But you can never fully experience all that Christ has done for you until you accept that God is for you. God is for you. Right where you are right now. Let me ask you this. Who's harder on you than anyone else? Most likely ourselves, right? Here's what we do. We project the negative image of ourselves on God. And we believe that God is probably as angry with us as, as we are with ourselves. And so there's no way that God could actually be for me because there's no way he could see me. See, that's still subtraction. You're still saying, I, I messed up there, and I messed up there, and I messed up there. And let me just, just be honest with you. The people who act perfect, th then there's a real problem. We don't submit to sin. We don't give in to sin just because of grace, but rather because of the fact that I know that I'm not looked at today by the many failures that I've chosen. I'm not, we're not looked at today by our, by our past. We're not looked at today by our records. We're not looked at today by the scars that we bear on our arms. We're looked at today because of the scars that Jesus Christ bore in his hands and the one he bore in his side. And when he cried out and said, it is finished. When God sees us, he sees his son and his daughters that he loved because of Jesus. This is a very simple, simple truth. I want you to get this. We say it all the time, but do you believe it? God is good. God is good. And God is love. Scripture says that God is love. So if God is good and God is love, then it equals God is for you. And I know this may seem strange as we're concluding. They want you to go ahead and stand with me. Do you remember the words of the angels when they declared that, that to the shepherds? Remember what they said in Luke chapter 2? said, do not be afraid. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. What I'm about to tell you should bring you great joy. What, what is it? It's going to be for everybody. Verse 13, will be to all people. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and good will toward men. I want you to get this today. God is for you. And God's will is goodwill. And his goodwill is only good and always good. And his will is for you to move to that which is working for your good. Reject God for who he isn't. And accept God for who he is. The God who is for you. Would you bow your heads with me in this place? You may have come into this place today a thousand, a thousand miles from anything called victory. 
You may feel like you're so far removed from walking in the power of Christ for your life. Let me just, just defeat that lie of the devil. Jesus promised that he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. Jesus promised that the call of God is without repentance on your life. Jesus promised that goodness and mercy would follow you all the days of your life. Jesus promised that it was possible for you to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus promised these things throughout the scriptures to us. Why? Because God is for you. I want you to think about the worst thing that maybe you're struggling with and realize that God's still for you, even if you're struggling with that. He wants to help you beat that. He wants to help you overcome that. Not just so you can feel holy in yourself, but so that you can declare that what you couldn't do, He did through you. Because God is for you. God is for you. Father, I want to thank you for what you're doing here today. And I want to thank you that you're going to make yourself evident to all that are here. You are for them today. And not against them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this service will be a thing of the past in just a few moments. Today I want to ask you a simple question. Maybe you've been living your life in the place of thinking that God's against you. You realize that that you don't measure up. You realize that sin has been one of your best friends. And you've been afraid to accept the love of Christ because you're you're not sure what you're gonna you're gonna do. You're afraid you're gonna you're gonna ruin the only love that you might have left, and that's the love of God. But today God's for you. God wants to embrace you right where you are. He wants to know you just the way you are. And if that's you today, I'm not going to call you out and I'm not going to embarrass you. Today's the day for you to surrender to Jesus Christ. With everyone praying, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been operating under the wrong, the wrong assumption. I thought God would have to be against me. But today I'm going to choose start operating under the truth that he's for me i'm going to pray with you in just a moment if that's you i want to see your hand in this place that that you will accept that truth of christ thank you thank you thank you hands going up around this place you can put those down maybe here today and you say pastor don i've never accepted jesus christ as my lord and savior and today i want to know him as my personal savior because he's for me i'm going to pledge my life for him if that's you just like I didn't embarrass these, I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you, can I see your hand? Would you hold it up high? Today's the day I, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm looking around this room. Who will join these brave ones that have raised their hand today? Thank you. Is there another today? This is your day. This is your time. Is there another today that will join these that have raised their hand today? Thank you. Join hands with someone near you now. I'm going to pray for the many that said, I need to begin to confess that God is for me. Before we do, we're going to pray a prayer of confession for these who say, today's the day I want to settle who I am in Jesus Christ. Let's pray this prayer. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. I declare I have confessed my sins. And by faith, from this moment on, I am forgiven. In Jesus' name, I give you my past, my present, and my future. Father, forgive me. In Jesus' name, I declare by faith, God is my Father. Heaven is my home. 
and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness that falls upon all of these that are here. I thank you, God, for these that are praying this prayer of commitment unto you today. Lord, you're with them. You're you're causing them to move through this step of faith, God, as they're making a decision that what you've already begun in them, they're going to come back center to today, Father. Father, I pray for these that have said they they need to realize that God is for you. Lord, I pray for everybody that's here that will get a new revelation of the fact that God is for them. Lord, this week, every obstacle that they face, they will hear a voice reverberating in their spirit, God is for you. Let the word of God reverberate within them that God is for them. Thank you for what you have done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God a praise this morning. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.